we've obviously gotten warmer again because it's Charlotte and every day is warm, it feels like. But oh, right. even we've got some cold weather today. It like, feels like 31, which is very rare. Ooh, I don't know how you guys are surviving. Are we got uh... A lot of the people here, I'm surprised, honestly, with <laughs> the way they yeah. are so dramatic. Uh, yeah, I feel like as soon as you go south of... You know, a couple of states, uh, people turn into, they just don't understand how to deal with weather. Um, whereas up here, we're just sort of sick of it. Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't really ever stop for you all, does it? Um, episode 168. Uh, five losses on the bounce, Adam. Do you know the last time? Did you hear that stat on NBC today? The last time that we lost uh, five on the bounce was in League One. Um, right under under I believe it was under Russell Slade or just as Gus came in before that season where we went back up great uh, yeah that's yeah. good not um, sure what the record for six is um, but we'll be probably matching that Wednesday <laughs> given well, yeah, I was going to say it feels more likely that we're going to match this record than what we were joking about before which was the draws in a season record like those were the sort of the glory days the halcyon days of of what we were talking about, what felt like 10 games ago. Now we're yeah. like, can we just score a goal? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it's not great, is it? <laughs> uh, Liverpool was obviously never going to be an easy game, though, at least. like Prior to this, we had games where we really should have been taking away points, at least against Liverpool at home. We're always going to be struggling. Um, and on the balance of play, I don't think we played as bad today as we have done in previous games, but an L is obviously still an L in the column. Um, how are you feeling about that starting 11 that rolled out? Because uh, there were a couple of changes in there as well. Um, and just overall vibes, early kickoff, the Amex, East Coast, West Coast, 4.30 in the morning for them getting up for this. Yeah, that's why you can't live on the West Coast, you know? Um, <laughs> it's beautiful and all that stuff, but... Um... Yeah, I'll tell you what, 4.30 start a game. I think that's one you just don't go to bed for, is it? Um, you just you just stay. Imagine if you stayed up all night for that. Uh, but so I'm sure someone's done it. Um, the team was, I thought the team was all right. Um, again, I know we we can't really, we can't really play with the, the back five at the moment just because from a player-wise, we just don't have them. Yeah. Um, so we're playing with this sort of makeshift back four with Duncan Veltman and then and then Kugurea and Lamptey. I, I'm, I was glad that Alzate stayed in the team. Uh, I wanted Lalana to get the start. We talked about that last time around, and obviously uh, we made an appearance, albeit very, very briefly. Uh, and, uh, you know, it couldn't, there wasn't really too many faults. I looked at the bench. I was like, who would who would I really like to be in that's available? Um Apart from Lalana, it seems like Mwepu isn't quite ready yet. He's still working his way back. Um, we might have seen him if we didn't have to waste a sub, subbing Lalana on and off. Um, but, yeah, just so happens that we we, we did. Um, and then... Lalana loves a good quick cameo, doesn't he? Remember last year when he came on and promptly walked down the tunnel after about 48 seconds. Do you remember that? I do. I've no, I saw a stat a little bit earlier. I can't remember the other player who did it, but he's now tied in the lead of the player that's been most subbed on and off in, in Premier League history. Oh, dear. Um, which, you know, <laughs> just about sums it up for him, doesn't it? And there was the other stat I saw earlier, that the last time that we beat 
Liverpool was in 1984. Um, so, you know, yeah, pre-Zygot right. of Adam and Josh. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, outside of that, I mean, you thought you go into this game and you think, just don't embarrass us. Um, I don't think we got embarrassed. It would have been nice to, it would have just been nice to score, to prove that we can score a goal from open play. Um, and right well, now it doesn't today. seem possible. Yeah, it doesn't seem possible right now. Really doesn't. Watford, Watford away was our last game we scored from open play. And does that uh, does it even count <laughs> against Watford? I would love to know when the last time we scored an open goal, a goal from open play at the Amex. Um, I don't have the time or energy to go back and have a look. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, I mostly yeah. agree with you though. Uh, Moda, I I was glad to see him off. I don't even think he's played yeah. poorly. I think he's just looked tired. Yeah, I think he yeah, just needs a rest. Uh, like you, I would have loved to have seen Wepu on, but I understand he's literally just come back. So I, I, I wasn't expecting him to start, uh, mm. even though I wish he could have, um, because I really do think he's going to help out when he's back. Uh, you know, Basuma back, I expected to really see him put himself in the shop window like we talked about for a couple of weeks. That didn't happen. Uh, another pretty subpar performance from him. Um, I thought Alzate outworked him in that first half, personally. Um, and then that's why I was that's why I was a little bit disappointed to see Alzate come off um, at halftime. I know you were happy with the Lalana sub. Um, well, for a, a very wonderful brief <laughs> forty five seconds, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it it uh, it wasn't great. But we started uh, like a house on fire, didn't we? We came out of the traps very quickly. Quite op- quite the opposite, actually. We had a great first ten minutes and a ship last eighty. <laughs> I messaged you. I was like, "What is going on? What are we doing?" Because there was that re- that really nice sort of snapshot, was it, or that that Mope had as well, yeah. and we looked like a we were swarming up the right side. There was a ton of press going on. So yeah, it was the opposite to what we've seen lately. Um, and then it just started. To, Liverpool just started to impose themselves on the game. Uh, and and it ultimately just ended up being a quality thing, really. It felt like, and it, it, they're going to score some of those goals if they get a chance. There's a decent opportunity that they're going to put it in the back of the net, and that's what we saw. Um, I, I did want to check on while you were talking. I was I was, <laughs> I was checking back on when we actually did score a goal from open play at the Amex, um, and you sort of got to go fairly long way back. I looked at the Chelsea game and realised that was that bullet header from Adam Webster. Um, yeah. That was the 18th of January. The game before that was Palace. That was an own goal from Palace that we, that we scored there. Um, so it wasn't then. Uh, you have to go all the way back to Boxing Day against Brentford is when the last time that we scored a goal at home at the Amex from open play. Yep, so we are yet to score a goal in open play at the Amex in 2022. And it's March the 12th at time of recording. Yeah, I wouldn't even... Do we even need to say... Yeah, it, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, it is. So we haven't then, scored a goal at home this year from open play. But it's not <laughs> even Alice, that good Alice before scored that. scored as many goals as us <laughs> at the Amex. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah. Uh, uh, remarkably and horrendously, uh, that is true. And then even prior to that, you know, we lost We lost at home, didn't score to Wolves, drew nil-nil to Leeds. And then you have to go all the way back to the 6th of November against Newcastle. Yep. 
So Wolves, I'm forever going to have an asterisk on that Wolves game uh, because yeah. that really should have been called off. That was some real shenanigans there. It and should it, have, and, but and we it are clutching at very season. big straws. <laughs> no, on a Wolves perspective, though, I think yeah. that it changed their whole season that week where they had two games that they should have had called off, denied by Wolves, and they won both. And it changed their entire season around from that like really like 13th, 14th, really poor thing. And that six points boosted them. And they've been, you know, they're eight now and been great ever since. Here's a, um, here's a bonus point for you, by the way, who, who was, who was our captain on that day against Wolves? Against Wolves. Mm. Oh my God. Uh, Pascal Gross. Dan Byrne. Yeah. <laughs> it's been five minutes since he's been mentioned as a Brighton great. So I thought I'd bring it up. Not on Twitter. It ain't. Uh, no. <laughs> lots of people believe that the loss of Dan Byrne today was the reason we got beat. Um, can I, and I'm really not kidding. That's, that's quite the prevalent thought process. Okay. Um, yeah, can yeah. you, can you find a moment in time for either of those goals where Dan Byrne would have prevented them? Um, because the first one was, was a goal that the Albion have conceded time and time again this year, uh, with everybody, um, at, at the back. It doesn't matter who it is. Uh, I do remember Josh Sargent, uh, beating Dan Byrne specifically to a ball just like this and then missing an open goal because he didn't hit it hard enough. That was, yeah, that was horrendous, wasn't it? That was back in, yeah, it was that nil-nil, wasn't it? I yeah, think. yeah. yeah. Uh, we should have been about two up by that point. And from then on, it was just going to be a nil-nil forever because you could just tell nothing was ever going to go in. No. Uh, but if Norwich are good enough to carve us open with one of those lofted over the top three balls, FIFA-esque, uh, counter attacks. Uh, yeah. Joel Matip uh, on a form current player of the month. Player of the month, Joel Matip. Yeah, uh, Adam Webster esque run uh, and a great ball over the top for Louis Diaz to to almost kill himself getting to um, with, with yeah. Sanchez. <laughs> Sanchez pulling Sanchez out. Sanchez with a nice open palm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I I'm not sure that anyone currently in that Albion backline would have been able to prevent it because it's something we've been susceptible to all year with or without Dan Byrne at the back. Do you, do, how do you feel about that? I do. Yeah, I agree. Just because you, you, you think about those opportunities, you think, okay, how do we prevent them? You have to have a very organized back line uh, where you're going to play offside trap. Uh, you have your leader there. That's Dunk. Okay. He was playing. And you're like, okay, we fail on that. Who else do we have there? Well, we, we want our quick players in. We don't have quicker defenders than Kukurea, Lamptey, or Veltman. Those are our three fastest defenders. So, yeah, unless by some miracle Dan Byrne sort of levitated and stopped that ball from, from going over, um, no, it was, it was, it was always going to go in. Luis Diaz, it was a really nice little touch on it as well. He's been a very impressive signing for them, just in case the, the rich get richer, don't they? Just what Hit they the needed. Another uh, promising attacker that means that they can now offload one of Mane, Salah, or whatever, depending on the contract negotiations, and still be fine. Um, what a shocker there. But, I mean, there's a few flashpoints that came. So, no, the short answer is no, they shouldn't have. It wouldn't have stopped even with Dan Byrne. I, I do want to go answer the Dan Byrne thing once and for all, though, a little bit, is that... Once still, and for all is a brave claim, Adam. Yeah, it's We've not got 10 more games this year that any game... We'll just talk about it each time. Dan Byrne, yeah. The, the, the problem that's arisen is, uh, yes, we are shorthanded. So, yes, Dan Byrne would help us out right now. He would. Um, 
But again, like you've mentioned, like Craig's mentioned, like I've mentioned, like a number of people have mentioned, you still take that deal because of the value you got at that moment in time. Um, that money is still going to be in the bank when we come to the transfer window. Um, and his being in the team for the remainder of this season wouldn't have turned our fortune so much that we would have turned around a five-game loss streak where we've conceded 11 goals and scored one. No one player, unless you're signing, I don't even know, if you put Harlan in, in this team, whether it would overcome most of that. Um, so Dan Burns, certainly not. Would he help stop the bleeding a little bit right now? Yeah, I think so. Maybe he stops one or two goals because he was in great form. He's continued his great form and he was he was impressive in the back line. Um, yeah. But you still take the deal. Uh, it just happens to be that it's proving the doubters correct right now because they just look at the results and say, Dambo would have helped this. And yeah, maybe you're partially right. It doesn't change the reality of the situation. I wonder if... Uh... In the summer, say say we get to Christmas next year, next year, this year, I suppose. Say we get to Christmas this year and Undav's on 10 already, knowing that we signed him with the Dan Byrne money. Do you think that they would still be upset that we sucked Dan Byrne? Because that's, that's also the reality, right? That that we've we've made a net profit by selling Dan Byrne and signing Undav and uh, the the Polish fella, the Kozlowski. Kozlowski, who, who st- I think he started up front last night for USG with Undev, bizarrely. Um, well, no, I, I've heard he's like a very attacking midfielder, borderline like, secondary striker player, so maybe not. Like Maybe that really is what he is. It's hard to get tons of tracking on the Jupiler Pro League, I'll be honest with you, but yeah, that's what LiveScore is telling me, uh, although they often do get it wrong. But it seemed like he was playing you know, up top or maybe as a number 10 to Undev, which is great for the future of, of, for us, really. Uh, no, I, I think of anything that's been proven over the last two, three years, no one admits when they're wrong, do they? So um, people will just continue beating that same drum and, oh God, no, we would have finished 10th if Dan Byrne was with us. But yeah, Undev's great. We could have still afforded him. That would be the answer. So no, I don't think it changes yeah. anything. But the only thing that's personally Tony owns USG could have gave him for free. Yeah, it could have been, it could have just handed over a, you know a couple of quid and it'd been done. But the, the, I keep there's a countdown now in my head, pseudo subconsciously, of just when July first hits, um, because yeah. uh, I don't want to put too much pressure on Undav. But uh, was it a hat trick he scored yesterday? Yes, it was. Um, yeah. I don't. It's hard to get cross ratings to compare the top performers uh, across like the top 10 European leagues. It's always the top five, so Belgium aren't included. But Undav would be up there um, alongside some of the most impeccable strikers in world football right now from his goals per minute rating. Uh, he has been incredible. I think he's had, is it 24 goals in 30 appearances and then a, a few assists as well? Or is it more than that? I, I checked yeah, it I think he's earlier. Had, I think he's had more assists than that, but yes, just about he could be the saving grace and that's the thing i think we all have to look we're probably not going to be relegated at this point wonderful because there's two abject teams in this league and there's we're going to be one team worse than us so it's really just about let's survive till the end and let's get that premium striker in the club finally hopefully yeah yeah i I actually did uh i think it was last summer i did a deep dive into the prolific uh nature of attacking players from the five outside of the five yeah, a lot of people were curious about it, and I spent like a week pretending to work doing that instead. <laughs> um, and I had I had the Eredivisie, the Championship, the Pro League, uh, the Tur- no, not the Turkish League, 
um, and two others. I can't remember who they were. Um, and Belgian Pro League strikers and attacking midfielders, on average, are the best of the five in the Premier League as they translate. They also have a slightly smaller sample size in the Eredivisie and a lot smaller sample size in the Championship. But they are the most prolific. So there is, you know, you never know. That confirms my bias, so I choose to believe it. The stats are in our favour. Yeah. Um, and uh, we'll see. Uh, 24 goals and 10 assists in 30 appearances. Yeah, yeah. 49% goal participation. He ain't bad. No, he ain't. Um, and and you mentioned, you know, Luis Diaz coming in and being one of those players that gives Salah less bargaining, right, less negotiation room. Um, Kozlowski if he is doing to do what he's doing and playing in those positions and plays well for the remainder of the year, could, I mean, he, you've got to argue that he's presenting the same problem for Trossard, right? Because he's not exactly been in his greatest of form. He's in a contract year next year. And if he's going to come in and provide the same option, him and my Toma for half the price, it seems like we're, we're playing the same game with a lot less rupees so to speak <laughs> yeah maybe um I, I think that's the intention of the club and we've talked about that before right it, it's it, how do we recycle um make a profit on these players that we've create helped uh, i guess evolve and, and then bring in others and repeat the process and, and continue to make make money out of that hopefully i think it's a little bit too soon for those players you're trading a player that's arguably at his peak in trossard for, yeah. for others that are very much not at their peak yet, you could argue that they're not even at their, you know, early stages, the pre-early stages. But um, <laughs> it, we'll see. I mean, I, we have to bring in some. I know we discussed this, but we have to bring in others. And I think what we saw today, if we go back to the game a little bit, um, we just there just wasn't a spark there. And and you you looked around the pitch and you thought, who who could maybe give us that spark? It's normally, we normally look at Basuma for that. I guess that raises a question of, I know Potter came out early in the week and potentially said some crap about him having a knee injury that's maybe true, maybe not, um, to help explain some of his poor form. How much do you think he's taken off of his value over the past few weeks for us? Uh, Because previously you looked at him before the AFCON and even during the AFCON, and you said blue chip, we said blue chip player, the zeros are being added daily each game. And then now you look around and you go, God, what can we get for him? Yeah. Uh, and my concern more so isn't the form, but the attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Like these, these big clubs are going to look at him and think if he's down in tools at Brighton, we're not wasting our time with a player like that. His ego's too big, blah, 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 blah. And then Villa come back with 28 million again, and we have to say yes come the summer um, because they're willing to take a poor attitude player like Coutinho and, and others, which has been a great signing for them, hasn't it? Because Philippe Coutinho has played very well. Um, Imagine if their midfield, at Villa's midfield next year is Basuma and Coutinho. What, what alternate reality is that? I mean, they've got the money for it. They're, they're loaded, aren't they? Yeah, tell you is. I think it now, a, that, that, or Chelsea, yeah. wonderful. 
yeah yeah we will uh, we will talk about that yeah <laughs> when yes. we get to the end of this we've got so much to talk about that ain't brighton really because it was just another bad day at the office a ton of like, that. we've not even got to the end of this game even not even got to half uh, time no uh, <laughs> which is probably intentional because the less we talk about it the better in some ways but yeah Mohamed salah very wasteful today up until the penalty wasn't he triple captain i believe adam well, uh, so i want to defend myself Premier league but, but yeah not very not very good was he today i, I he was surprised Mo Salah is surprisingly quiet against us most games, I feel like. All the way back to when we had Gaitan Bong mark him out of the game. <laughs> it feels like we are just a team that Salah does not like to score, or like, not, not very good at scoring against. Yeah, this goes back to one of the things that we've discussed as well, which is we tend to, or at least historically, and I, I also want to remove some of recent form out of the way, because this is very unlike us, very unbright in the last few games. Um, is we tend to do a very decent job of, of of removing the effectiveness of the key attackers of the opposing team, and you know what happens? We 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 concede to a counter, or someone smashes in a goal from somewhere, or a set piece, or whatever it is. Um, but we normally like we mark a number nine out of the game, or even if it's an effective winger like Salah that cuts in, we do a decent job of 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 dealing with them. Um, Today, yes, he wasn't particularly special. He had an opportunity. Uh, what was the? Who, was it him that hit the bar at one point? Um, yes, but it was very fluky, wasn't it? It was like a big deflection. It, yeah, um, it, it but, wasn't yeah. particularly controlled. Um, but it's impressive just because of how informed Salah has been this year. If you're pressed, uh, he's probably. You could argue he's the best player in the world at the moment, if not his top three. Lewandowski's probably... I was going to say Lewandowski's probably have something to say after this week, especially in the Champions League and then bagged again today. You could see... You may even have to throw Benzema in that conversation after this week. And, and uh, I mean, Mbappe was outstanding outside of PSG's... <laughs> Hilarious downfall. Yeah. Amazing PSG meltdown. But yeah, it wasn't very good. I, I Again, the game today, I don't think there was an individual player like on the Liverpool side where we were like, wow, we made them look incredible. It really wasn't yeah. that kind of game where we didn't embarrass ourselves. They're just a better football team and we can't score. So what happens when you can't score? Well, the better football team can score, so you're going to lose one or two nil. And that's yeah. what happened. Yeah, I think that's spot on. I think you pretty much nailed it. Um Half-time comes around, substitution, Alzate off for Lalana. I'm assuming they wanted to get a bit more forward momentum going. Uh, you know, McAllister and Lalana both on. Um, and, and I think that's exactly what they were trying to do because if you were trying to shore up defensively, when Lalana got hurt immediately, you're not bringing on Pascal Gross if that's the intention, right? You're bringing on a Moda or a Mwepu, someone like that, if you're trying to bring a bit more dynamism uh yeah. gross is not that dynamic midfielder um he did one of his turns though and that was the biggest cheer at the annex he so. did uh right by our own corner flag uh he oh yeah he sent lewis diaz i think he may as well have just gone down the tunnel early there we still wouldn't have scored anyway no. um, it was it was a really nice turn though uh and and the the penalty came just about on the hour mark, which is when you really hate to see it because that's when you start getting into that tactical tinkering stuff that Potter tends to do that can change a game. Uh, and Bissouma, uh, man of the moment, uh, clear as day, handball, uh, no complaints, hand miles in the air for a ball that looked like it was probably going over the crossbar 
uh, commentators thought it was going closer to the corner flag. Um, and and it was just, I mean, I'm surprised they even bothered with VAR. Uh, pretty clear penalty, wasn't it? It just sums up Basuma at the moment. It's just head's not in it. Like, why do you do that? Even the, we're recording this just after the Man U game. Um, Tellez gave away a penalty when his hand was out, but at least he was getting his hand out the way. He was trying to get his hand out the way. Basuma actively sort of like spread out. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, how do you not know that you don't do that now? Uh, every, everyone knows that's not what you do with your arms when you're in the box and someone smacks a shot against you. And it's just, he's, he's not, his, his mental approach to everything is completely gone. So yeah, that was, that was the nail in the coffin that, that the tide completely turned over that Lalana injury and the, and the, the, the penalty combo. Yeah. And, and Graham saw it too, right? Because within minutes of that goal going in, Plenty of subs coming on. Thiago and, and Hotho came on for Keita and Salah. Uh, Salah, like he picked up a knock. So triple captain curse strikes again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then Danny Welbeck come on straight away for Bissouma, uh, a player that we know is more than capable of playing 90 minutes every other day, um, comes off. So clearly his head wasn't in it. We could all see it wasn't. Uh, and Potter dragged him off uh, at 66 minutes. Um, the game was pretty much over at that point, wasn't it? You know, there wasn't there wasn't much left to to, to do at that point. Liverpool allowed us more of the ball, uh, but we didn't do a great deal with it because they've they sat back and they've got player of the month Matip and, and Van Dijk and Arnold and Robbo at the back. It's it's I think Fabinho took a cynical yellow card and that was about as we got to causing them any major issues. I I, I want to touch on a two things. One of the first thing there is those I really despise those those professional tackles that get made, those ones where you take the yellow card. Um, I, d- I don't think that's okay. I don't think there should be just a thing in football where it's like, well, this, they're probably going to score. I'm just going to push them over and take a yellow card. So, well, that shouldn't really be allowed, should it? Like, oh, yeah, we'll just get to use a get out of jail free. I, I hate that that just warrants a yellow card and not something more potentially more serious. Obviously, I understand it's hard to just be like, that's a red card for that. But when you're in the process of creating a counter-attack and a goal-scoring opportunity and someone just maliciously takes you out and just walks off and says, oh, okay, I, I get to do one of those a game. It's just it's just an annoying little part of football. Um, the two biggest flashpoints for me in this game came with the goalkeepers, right? Obviously, the first one was the Sanchez slap, where arguably he could have been off the pitch. Yep. Um, there's games where he gets red carded very easily. Absolutely. Um, and then the other one was the Allison thing. And I, you know, there's, I was having a discussion about this on, on Twitter because we depending on what side of the coin you are here, you're going to argue against it. But I've looked at ver- various angles of this. The replays weren't that great, but he looked like he had the ball fully outside the box for a millisecond. Yep. Um, and, you know, that's Allison in a nutshell. He's chaotic keeper. He takes risks. But I think he took too much of a risk there. I think that was outside the box. If you get that red card there, suddenly we've got half an hour to do something in this game. Uh, we've we already seen Liverpool are jittery. We saw it just a couple, yeah. like, what, like two months ago where we came back from two down to take a point. That If we get one back at that point, they're shit in their pants. Whether we're good enough or not, 
they're pooping their pants at that point, and we have every chance to fluke one past them again. Uh, exactly. There's, um, there's, I, I thought it was. I thought it was outside of the box as well. Uh, Mike Dean, though, thoughts on him today? I thought he was incredibly poor, just ac- across the board, and not just for us. I thought that there was. The Keita karate kick within about a minute of the game. I'm sure that Mike Dean is probably saying it was too early, uh, but he had no problem blowing for a foul for Bissouma when his foot was a good two foot lower. Yeah, it was a nice uh, build up play as well. There, that could have led to something, um, yeah. which was frustrating. Yeah, uh, and and I, I can see you know he put out a couple of like yellow cards at the end. McAllister, Mope, Fabinho was definitely a yellow card, but it looked like he was just quite happy to just let each other beat shit out of each other today it, it looked like he was just turning a blind eye to just about everything he's a weird character isn't he and I, I don't think he's our best friend either whenever he officiates Brighton games it always feels like oh god it's Mike Dean again um I, I'm yet to have a game officiated where I go tell you what what a great referee and, uh, it, and we discussed this on a few pods ago, but it's it's hard. Uh, it's rare when you ever get the credit as a referee. But yeah, in general, Mike Dean doesn't really appear to be a particularly good res- referee. He's just a name and he keeps getting games because there's no others. Yeah, you're not wrong. The, the Yeah, the game time is horrific. Uh, they're, they're, they're having to do it week in, week out. And even if they make horrific mistakes, they get what? A one game rest. And then they're straight back in because, like you say, there's no other option. We need you. We need you to keep rapping because otherwise we've got no one else. Well, either they – who was the guy that was actually a half-decent referee that a few years ago just went and took the Saudi Arabia or uh, UAE money and just, like, went out there for millions? Plattenberg? Yes, well done. Uh, yeah. Plattenberg. Uh, and then he's went on TV and stuff that he was doing. I don't know where he is right now, but he's probably getting paid more than he got as a referee for a much easier life. Yeah, um, I imagine yeah, we've we've created a situation which is not sustainable to have high quality referees in in the Premier League, and until that stops, you, this this just more Mike Deans clone him. We might as well clone Mike Dean and just have crap refereeing for every single game. Uh, let's talk about another player today. Um, not so much in the sphere of this game entirely, but uh, the 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 Albion social media world was running a mock this week about this player. Uh, after another Albion internet personality uh, came out um, with no intention of causing any drama, um, no intention of getting engagement or clicks. He's very upset that I insinuated that um, and gave a very honest opinion that Robert Sanchez is highly overrated uh, and not particularly much better than Matty Ryan and replacements should be considered. Uh, Thoughts? feelings on Robert Sanchez. Uh, I feel like I've said it a bunch of times. Um, he is what he is at 24. If we want him to become what Allison is at 30, we've got to roll with him because that's, that's the kind of player he is. Uh, he's a bit of a nutter that, that, that you take the risks along with the reward. Um, and I wouldn't <laughs> be dropping him anytime soon. There's a tweet that came out as, as of recording um, 31 minutes ago. I'm not going to say who it's from, but it says as much as Sanchez wasn't to blame for us losing, he doesn't help our cause. Um, and some other stuff there, uh, blah, blah, blah. 
One nil down, he takes five minutes getting the ball from behind the goal line. It's all too slow. Um, so yeah, I don't think this is going to go away. It, uh, he is not at fault for. Yes, he could have been sent off, but he wasn't at fault for either of the goals. Uh, Salah penalty. Penalty is a penalty, and it? it's a penalty. Um, Free hit for a goalkeeper, isn't it? Really, it it it, it was unless you're Kepper. Um, and, and you get brought on to save one, and you can't you can't save eleven penalties, and then, you and then miss. miss yours. I yeah, still that's true. I'll never, that's a really I'll good never point forget. Well made. Yeah, um, <laughs> but no, I mean, it's, yes, Sanchez is not the finished product. He isn't, um, but when he is able, he can actually put a really nice pass out. He's got great distribution. Um, yes, there's some mistakes. Sometimes he shanks them. Sometimes he smashes. But have you seen lately? Like, who watches? I hope people listening actually watch other football games because there's a game that happened this week in pretty much the world's most anointed youngish goalkeeper in Donnarumma, who arguably cost PSG that time. He yep. started the meltdown. He got pressed. He took too long in the ball. And that's when it happened. And they then just broke. Donnarumma does it. Allison does it. Edison can be prone to it. All of these keepers are told to take risks, do slightly different things. Um, and it's, it's not your keeper of old. Like this, you, The keepers aren't taught to be like David Seaman anymore. Like that's, that's not what this is. Um, so yes, you're going to get glaring errors and issues from a young goalkeeper like Sanchez. Physically, he's there, and he's shown signs of being able to do impressive stuff. Get the ball out, good positioning. Um, I just, it just, it's, it feels like whenever you go on a losing run, everyone tries to then try and solve what the problem is and pin it down to oh, it's this issue, this issue, this issue. We talked about this before. It's very rarely one or two things. It's a combination, a number of things. Sanchez for me isn't even in the top 10 of why we're in this losing run. It really isn't. Interesting stat because there was a lot, there was, well, that particular person and, and others jumping in, definitely comparing him to Matty Ryan. Uh, shot stopping wise, I, I don't think there's really much difference between them. Uh, I went on FB ref the other day and found there was very little difference between the two. Um, and Matty Ryan was well regarded as a good shot stopper. It was just about everything else he was not great at. Uh, distribution um, and and coming for crosses and stopping crosses, be it corners, free kicks, or just from open play. Um, we know he was poor at that. He is shorter. Uh, not quite as short as some thought he was, I think. Uh, but he was not the tallest goalkeeper in the entire world. Uh, we all saw the stats put out by the other 14 this week. Robert Sanchez mm-hmm. amongst the top creme de la creme uh, outside of the top six. And I looked... Only Man City and Liverpool, unsurprisingly, are also above us. Uh, so even on the other t- other four of the top six, they're below Sanchez. Uh, so he's, what, top five, I think, for distribution. Uh, and we knock him on this podcast sometimes for erratic distribution. Yeah. Uh, and the stats say that he's in top five in the league. Uh, crosses, though, something we've suffered from for a long time uh, and something we've also knocked him for on here. Uh, he is number one in the league for percentage of crosses into the penalty area, which was successfully stopped by the goalkeeper. No one else in the league is better than Robert Sanchez. 
So I have to take an L on that because I surprised my own self <laughs> finding that out because I would have put him down in the middle of the pack. Uh, he is the best shot cross stopper in the league um, right now. So what more do you want currently? It's a crazy, a crazy conversation, but I thought it was worth us bringing it up. And it's nice to have the data and the stats to support that because if not, you end up in just brutal speculation. And sometimes the eye test isn't the truth um, because, yeah, we've we've chastised that man a number of times for some of the things that he's done. So much of this comes down to a uh, goalkeeper's performance comes down to the performance of the players in front of him. Um, and Sanchez is being sold out at the moment with Dunk's lack of form coming back, this makeshift defence that we have, the fact that we're just perpetually caught on counter-attacks. Counter-attacks are goalkeeper's worst nightmare. But, oh yeah, quick, typically multiple players over when you then have to then pull out something impressive to be able to, to stop a two-on-two or something like that. Um, outside of that, like Sanchez does the things you want a goalkeeper to do. So it, it's it's a weird it's a weird one to blame, and I think until we tidy up the problems that we have in front of him, and think about the two biggest things that protect Sanchez and have have done historically, and you could say the same for Matt Ryan, the performances of Lewis Duncan, his central defensive partner, and the performances of Eve Basuma, who sits in front of the defense, both are playing crap. Basuma more. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Spot on. Um... Like you say, counter-attacks are their worst nightmare, no matter how quick they are. Um, E.g. Allison opinion running out of his own area to try and stop one. Um, man of the match today, Adam? Who you got? Uh, I'm struggling. I'm really struggling, but who you got? I, it, it, honestly, just it didn't really feel like... <laughs> it just felt like we had 11 players on the pitch. I know that seems like a really weird statement, but... It, no one really I never you didn't look around and go oh yeah okay it's a couple of nice touches of before the first 10 minutes I, I thought McAllister was impressive like he did that nice little turn and flick Lamptey actually put in a really nice ball early on and did a couple of interesting things he was a, a nice outlet and threat for us but Liverpool just completely took over the game and strangled us um, and I think then you just I, I don't know who you look at Mopay did a decent shift but I don't think there's anyone that you could be like even a half decent performance. Everyone was just like a six out of 10. Yeah, no, you're not wrong. Um, I think the only one when I was really trying earlier to think of anyone, I I didn't see Kukurea do anything wrong defensively, which he's been caught out once or twice in recent games, uh, yeah. especially given how high he's been pushing. Um, he was frustrated at one point at the end of the game. Yeah, he was. Um, rightfully so. <laughs> uh, and, I, you know, that, that's about as bad as, as good as I can call it. He he wasn't caught out uh, yeah. like he had been in recent games. That's about the only positive I have. The rest were just, like you say, they just existed uh, within, within the field of play today. Um, not yeah. great other than that. Uh, yeah, not great. Uh, Flossie Gonk in the chat, who is our shooting coach. Interesting question, Flossie. Uh, because if you look at the coaching staff, we don't have a single offensive-minded coach on the staff. So I would love to know. Uh, because if you look at that group, 
none of those people, most of them are ex-players, all of them are ex-players, and, and none of them have ever played in an offensive role, let alone a striker. Uh, so I don't know who that shooting coach is, Flossie, uh, but they're probably not great. It's Jakob Moda. Uh, yeah, he's the shooting coach. He teaches everyone how to miss the target. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, but even t- uh, today for me, shooting wasn't the problem. We just didn't uh, get a chance. I, uh, although Trossard did sky one way over the bar that should have been on target. Well, just about something. Would have been 1-1 one, one then, wouldn't it? The then you never know. Um, he, he did. Uh, Everyone has, has certainly forgotten how to shoot. The problem today with Liverpool's defensive organisation, you never really got a chance where someone opened their body and you thought we could really test the keeper properly here. Outside of early on in the game, those couple of odd chances. Outside of that, there really wasn't much. I feel like after about the 10, 20 minute mark, there wasn't much. No, there wasn't. Um, that, like, that, that Trossard one is the only one that I can remember. Um, that really stands out as uh, the Welbeck header as well. Uh, good yeah. save from Allison, but it was kind of straight at him, so it wasn't you know it wasn't the greatest thing in the world, but it wasn't awful. Um, but yeah, I think we got exactly what we deserved today. I think the XG said something along the lines of that as well. I think it was like two point six to zero point six. So that's it is. Yeah, it feels like a zero point five six kind of game. Yeah, yeah, and even that feels a little generous. Yeah. Um, Spurs next, though, uh, just got beat by Manchester United. Cristiano's second ever hat-trick for Manchester United. How's that for a surprising stat? Yeah, and uh, I was chatting with my mates about this just because other, I'm, I'm definitely team Messi. Uh, and Messi obviously was anonymous for a large portion of the game midweek. But yeah. um, Ronaldo had not scored he played every single game for Manchester United so far in 2022 and prior to this game he'd scored one goal in 2022 and that was against us um of course it was uh, yeah uh, we yeah, we broke his his duck so he's uh, I, I don't want to get into a deep ronaldo conversation but he was helped out and the way this is relevant to us he was helped out by some shocking spurs defending um the first goal was quality like we don't really have anyone on the, our team that can do what he just did there. So we'll give him that one. Yeah. But not a great press from Spurs. But outside of that, Sancho just passed across the goal and no one marked Ronaldo for his second goal. And his third one, no one really marked him for a header either. And who the one person you probably mark is Ronaldo on an attacking <laughs> opportunity for a header. So yeah. I hope we get one of those opportunities against Spurs. I just hope they don't come out and do a performance like I, I want a, a Middlesbrough or a Man United performance from them, not an Everton one. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> because popping five past Everton, uh, not good, is it, for the teams at the bottom right now? All of them on a race to the bottom, it feels like, uh, this week. Uh, Everton yeah. seeding five, Wolves putting four past Watford, uh, and it was embarrassing. Uh, Villa just waltzing past Leeds as well. I know they're not in the bottom three yet, but uh, Brentford undoing Burnley quite comfortably today in the end. Um, and then, you know, we've got a couple of games tomorrow. Leeds, Norwich, a big one uh, for, for their both their survival hopes. Um, idealistically, Norwich win that and cause absolute drama all over the place. Um, yeah. 
it's getting a bit tight down there, isn't it? I think we're actually looking at a scenario where Everton can actually feasibly go down, you know? Yeah, they've got so many games in hand at the moment, though. Um, but they could, it would be very oh, it like be funny to see. <laughs> it would be funny to see it. Just because I think I feel bad because he seems like a nice guy. But what, what does Lampard's career do if he gets Everton relegated? I, that would take a while to recover, wouldn't it? Um, I don't think they. I don't think Everton go down. It's between Leeds, Brentford, and Burnley for me. Um, you think still, Brentford's still in it? I know uh, they won today. After today, I mean, I think there's a chance they've played four games more than Everton, Brentford. Four. I don't see Everton winning many of them, though. That's my thing. Everton's fixtures towards the like they had the two postponed games they've still got to play Watford and Palace so they could beat Watford but it should be beating Watford if they want to stay up uh, and then the rest of them they've got some tough games still Manchester United Wolves Newcastle who are suddenly now on form West Ham uh, Chelsea Leicester Arsenal it's a lot of decent sides in there there's not many of those six pointers for them left not like Burnley and Watford that have a lot of them they've, they've not got many um yeah i yeah i uh, i don't know how or we none of us know how it's going to play out i just feel no. like everton can do something here I, leeds absolutely have to worry uh i know they've got um ted lasso now coaching them um but i mean they share the spoils of the worst form in the premier league with us in norwich at the moment leeds um minus 35 goal difference it's just you can't look at that and feel like at least with Everton I feel like Dominic Calvert-Lewin is is at least he's isn't he back at the moment yeah. they've got something now I don't think Bamford's is Bamford back or he came on as a sub this midweek yeah uh and but Phillips isn't back is he no but they're just so I mean the minus 35 says everything you need to know the that they could have Bamford back if they want. They maybe lose 3-1 or 3-2, <laughs> concede the three. Minus uh, 35 is, is, is compared. <laughs> I mean, combined, Everton and Burnley's combined goal difference is, is, is minus 34. So <laughs> that's just something else. Something it's else. Be, we've got to be looking at 7-7 seven, seven draw tomorrow, aren't we? Leeds at home to Norwich. It's... Uh, it's, it's going to be an impressive one. It really is. Uh, it I'm might be the game of the season. But for me, I'm going to, I'll be picking that over every other game on offer tomorrow. I don't care. That, that's that's the one. That's where the drama is going to happen if there's going to be any. Um, but there is also drama at the top of the table. Mr. Roman Abramovich is no longer allowed to be the owner of Chelsea Football Club. And uh, the term up shit creep without a paddle uh, is very apt right now for the future of Chelsea, isn't it? Uh, they are they're struggling to know how they're going to get their players to Lille next week uh, in terms of monetarily wise. Uh, yeah, they're lucky it's only France, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine if it was you know, oh, well, I was going to say Russia, but that that's happened. Imagine if it was like Azerbaijan or somewhere, and they've like they was yeah, they have to schlep all the way over, and it's, it'd be like the old days where Dennis Bergkamp wouldn't go on planes. So you'd have to, they're all just getting on various trains and ferries and stuff. Uh, yeah, I, I, what a weird situation. I, I think what's, not to get too polit- geopolitical and everything, but you sort of have to because the lines are so blurred here, aren't they? 
Um, I mean, it's not even blurred, right? It's a pretty straight line. It's in it, yeah. Between what's going um, on in Ukraine and what's going on with Roman is uh, they're they're quite quite a solid Venn diagram. <laughs> it is. I think. I think the thing that frustrates me is what we talked about when the Newcastle takeover happened. Is that it's taken this event to for for everyone collectively across the globe, governments to come in and decide, oh, now we'll do something. Now Roman Abramovich is bad. Like, well, he's always been this. This is this is who he has been. And you've just collected that money this whole time. And now you're like, okay, no, now we're not okay with it. And I obviously get that there's why that's happened. But part of me feels like in a few years, we'll have this conversation about other owners of clubs. Um, when situations crop up in the world, when we absolutely shouldn't be allowing that ownership to occur now. And when I say we, I mean the Premier League and the collective fan bases. There's there's a big problem in football. This is one of them, and it's the most apparent right now, and the right decision's been made. Who knows what happens to the future of the club? But, I mean, Saudi Arabia are committing atrocities in Yemen right now, and they own, you know, they own Newcastle United. They arguably collect allegedly someone murdered an innocent journalist uh connected to that group and we're just we're just letting them buy uh you know kieran trippier like yeah okay yeah. uh i think it's long overdue but it's finally the high profile example of rich owners uh are very much uh, a win big lose big too right we saw it with the Venkies all those years ago, but it never really mm-hmm. like it never really like got the got the coverage it should because Blackburn were never where Chelsea are. Um, but if for political reasons or for just boredom reasons, uh, one of these big money men get bored of your club, you are in deep deep trouble. If there is a political regime change in Saudi Arabia, Newcastle are back on the Mike Ashley train. There's no, there's no two ways about it. Where's the yeah. money coming from? And that's not that's these Middle Eastern countries are, are, are unstable at best, thanks to people like the countries we live in and everyone else with their little psyops and all that shit that they're doing. Uh, it just takes one one regime change, and these political leaders. I mean, we saw it in China on mass, right? Mm-hmm. He got bored of soccer over there. And uh, and the Chinese Super League went to shit almost overnight because everybody was like, oh, you don't like it anymore? We don't like it either. Get rid. There was, We've already seen this in, in a small, again, relating back to, to Russia. That if you remember but probably a decade ago at this point, Angie Makal, I can't even pronounce the club's name. Um, yeah, but they started to get all that exactly money. They signed Samuetti, Roberto Carlos. They did. They used to, and there was an amazing article written about this. I'll have to fish it out. We can tweet it out. Maybe, maybe it's a bit too on, on the nerve at the moment. But um, they used to fly in the players because no one wanted to live in the town where the stadium was. Maybe used to live somewhere way nice and then fly all these players in. And they would pay them, obviously, to attract Samuetsu and co to, to that footballing club and destination. They were just being paid grey money let's say um which we now obviously could probably say was absolutely more on the the red and black side of things but 
that's an example that they're the owner of that team suddenly got caught up in some level of turmoil decided to just all right okay now i i need to sort of divest a little bit from this and everyone went and they just turned back into another club that was didn't have any of that money and they were just left in the shit really yeah um, they're in the third tier now uh with about 800 other teams uh and that's it back into obscurity uh malaga as well yep you remember malaga yep. like they came out of nowhere didn't they same scenario uh same story we just haven't had it happen in england to a, one of these huge clubs because we did have it happen to blackburn they've had it like we watched it happen. portsmouth is the other big one um uh, i mean the, the 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 other thing that we need to watch out for at the moment is psg there's, there's rumors that um that group are maybe the experiment let's call it has come to an end. Yeah. Uh, didn't get what they wanted out of it. Let's sell Mbappe and start to wind this thing down a little bit. Um, that might not happen. It might be a pride thing, but I think they're even going to be sanctioned probably to a certain extent. Maybe sanctions the wrong word, but I think the owner walked into the referee's room after the game and started. I think they had to get held back, didn't they? Yeah, get aggressive. Um, so... <laughs> There's going to be a, there's a reckoning that's occurring. I think Chelsea is the first domino that falls, and and it might take a while for some of the others to fall as well. But um, it's it's a tricky situation. I think we've all been happily feeding off of, say, we just collective the environment around football. As long as everyone got, gets their pound of flesh and their cut and their benefit out of it, no one everyone turns a little bit of a blind eye. The Sky get their t- their money, the clubs get the TV money, the fans get the pr- the best quote unquote product on the pitch. But th- these clubs are playthings for for some of these billionaire elites in these nation states, and they get bored of their toys at some point, and the problems will occur. And to bring it back to the Albion, because it is a Brighton podcast, and if someone's been listening for the last 15 minutes going, what the fuck's this got to do with Brighton? Uh, <laughs> you should be patting yourself on the back, praising yeah. whichever deity you believe in, that Mr. Tony Bloom owns this club. Because that really is the bottom line behind all of this. We yep. as Albion fans may be looking at five losses on the bounce, probably six, maybe seven, eight, nine. But we are a Premier League side, and we are not going to go down this season. We will be a Premier League side next summer. Uh, and next season, regardless of what happens in the summer as well. And that's going to be our sixth ever in a row, which is a club record as well. And it's all bankrolled by someone who's really invested, who really has a history with the club. And all this last 15 minutes, whether you agree with anybody's points of view or not, politically, whatever, the fact is, as Albion fans, we have Tony Bloom and we are so lucky to have him. Yep, exactly. Uh, I don't think there's anything else to say on top of that. That's pretty much it, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> uh, that's that's all I've got. What else do you need? Anything else? Uh, Kozlowski did play up front. Who scored has him and Sofa scored. Both have him up top as well. So. Okay, I wasn't fooled. I wasn't cheap. Unless they all just copy each other. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> everyone was wrong. It's all just based on one lad in the crowd emailing who scored, and that's yeah, it. exactly. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm uh, depending on when this Man City game gets rescheduled. If it does happen this month, I know it's not confirmed or anything, but if we end up going through this patch of, of Liverpool Spurs City, and we're still having this similar type of conversation, uh, I'll I, I'll start to get worried 
Um, and I don't want to be the, the doom and gloom about the relegation piece, but I will start to get worried at that point because, yeah, we get the Norwich game, but then we have to go play Arsenal, Spurs, Southampton, who have picked themselves up, Wolves who have picked themselves up, Man U. Like, it's, there's no, we don't have an easy run in. It's crazy things can happen. And I just, something, something needs to change here. We have to, we have to grab it. We have to score a goal. We just have to score a goal. Yeah, I mean, I think we could lose every game for the rest of the season. I'm not going to think we're going to. I still don't think we'll go down. I don't think we'll lose every game either. I think that would, like I said before, that would that would be a Premier League record. Um, I, I don't see us committing to that. I think there's at least one team there that's going to have a bad day and we'll scumbag a nil-nil at very worst. Um, but I will be worried just as much for the, for, you know, for the future of what's going to be happening in the summer. Uh, I tweeted it out and people aren't very happy about it, but uh, because yeah. we, were sh- we were shit 20 years ago, so we should be happy. Um, but <laughs> the fact of the matter is, if we want to continue to grow in this division and we want to become a top 10 club doing it the right way that, that the Arbyan talk about and have preached about and they're clearly working on because we see it year in and year out. I don't think they're lying. I think they know exactly what they're trying to do. Uh, I think most do if they take the, the emotion out of it. How how are you going to sell this club uh, to a player uh, in the summer? Um, yeah. This is going to be our fifth year in a row. We'll be finishing in the bottom five or six uh, if we continue with this form. We could turn it around. We've done it two or three times this season already. But if it continues on this trajectory, we're a bottom six club again. We're paying bottom six money and wages. Uh, and we're losing two or three of our best players. How, how do you sell this club as a club that is going to be a top ten? That that's my concern more than more than going down. Um, I get I guess going down is the byproduct, but I'm one year away from being worried. Uh, but that's that's a yeah. concern as well. I think it is. It, 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 the, the Premier League is not going to get easier. Um, uh, well, I suppose unless Chelsea don't have any money anymore, I guess then it sort of does. Um, but something has to change here. And I think that's the biggest part around your statement. I don't want to put words in your mouth. And But I also do want to make sure that people on Twitter, people listening, don't just think that um, these conversations that we're having are pure, purely negativity. It's These are awkward conversations that we need to have about the prospective future of this club. Um, and they might not be that fun to have, but they're worthwhile having, but just because you put your head in the sand and just go, oh no, let's support the club. Everything's going to be good. We'll figure it out. We'll get the best players here. Blah. It, it doesn't help anything. It's, it's at best. It's, it's sort of just mild delusion. Um, yeah. It, something needs to change. And whether that is a slightly more, I, I, I don't think we could necessarily say a blue chip player, but like signing Lalana this, when we did was a statement of intent. Right, not the player that he once was, not the player that everyone thought he could ever be. But when you sign a player of that pedigree at the twilight of career, albeit that bring that rallies people, galvanizes the team, and it makes makes people look around and go, "Well, if he's good enough, like he's played in Champions League's finals, like I can go to Brighton." Now, if we clear house, and suddenly you're looking at a team. That is without Basuma. We've offloaded potentially others. You you have to do something. Tony Bloom has to make 
some form of signing or do something in the club where we don't just go on a downward trajectory in this, what I would think of this as sort of a rebuilding, rebuilding off season that we start to head into. Yeah. Um, and Dev hopefully can be a part of that, but he's not going to prove that to anyone until he does it. No one's going to care about his stats from Belgium when he, you know, the first minute he starts playing here is what have you done for me lately? Yeah. Um, and we have to turn around what, yes, I know everyone's still living off of the amazing start to our season, but we have not beaten a side that isn't currently below us in the table since September of last year where, where we beat Leicester. The sides that we've beaten in the Premier League this year are Burnley, who we think are going to go down, and then obviously we yep. got battered by them. Watford twice. Brentford twice. Potentially like at the risk, maybe a risk of going down. Sort of a bit of a jammy result against Leicester. And then a 3-2 against Everton. We've talked every one of those sides, bar Leicester, we yep. talked about as relegation candidates. We have to do better than that. Thanks. Yeah, I think that's, we'll end on that, I think, because uh, the games don't stop coming. Uh, we have Spurs midweek uh, before a bit of a break, uh, unless they do schedule the City game in between there. Uh, but as the days go on, it becomes less and less likely, doesn't it? Because they need to give a certain amount of heads yes. up and stuff like yeah. that. So uh, they're probably keeping an eye on those cups in Europe and seeing if they drop out and we can just slot into that one of those midweek spots. I think they're hoping that's going to happen. Uh, yeah. And City don't look like they're going to be giving up anything anytime soon, though. Maybe a bit of a uh, bit of a waste of time. But we'll go from there. Let's see. Let's get something midweek against Spurs, eh? At least a goal. If we can't score against Eric Dyer, I give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. That's fair. <laughs> All right. Cheers, all. all. Right, Thank you for listening. Have a good one.